2: Miami has the the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super so Bowl because we're the Miami And welcome Dolphins. to Finsider Sider Radio. This is MC Money joined
0: by Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, and sure Thomas. And this week we have a tremendous episode for you because we will be joined by none other than Patrick Claybon of the NFL Network. That's right. This is our offseason. This is FinCider Radio's offseason. We're going to have a tremendous offseason and, and full of hosts. We're going to have a tremendous offseason full of different guests and really bringing our show to the next level. How it's Sutton. We've been together now for going on almost two years and a few months. And it's time, boys. It is time to kick it up a notch. It is time to get on the level that we need to get on. And it's going to be one fun ride. Next week, we have Greg Gabriel, former NFL scouting director for the Chicago Bears. And we are just going to continue to roll with guests as we line them up leading up to training camp in the regular season. It's our time. We're going to make this big and we're going to run with it. And ESPN Radio is going to come calling in the next six months. Am I right?
3: (laughs) Man, I'm so, I'm so proud of some of the guests that we have coming up, and I cannot wait to eventually be interviewing Ricky Williams here in a couple weeks. That, that would be With great. The path that we're on right now, this is ridiculous. I'm just uh, I'm just so happy to be a part of this.
4: Yes. <laughs> I just did the Jai Europe. It's the year of the jump. It's, J- <laughs> it's the year of the jump, as Jai tweeted uh, earlier last year. It's the year of the jump, Europe.
0: So without further ado, let's bring on Patrick Claybon right now. And joining us now here on Finsider Radio is Patrick Claybon from the NFL Network. Claybon joined the NFL Network in October 2014. He's regularly seen as a news anchor on the update desk and also reports for NFL media and can be seen periodically hosting extended coverage of breaking news throughout the NFL. Patrick, thank you for joining us here on
1: Finsider Radio. Matt, Aaron, appreciate you guys having me on, man.
0: All right, let's get right to it, Uh, Pat. The coaching carousel throughout the NFL continues each and every year, and this year was no different, but this year also had quite a bit of drama with the Indianapolis Colts, Josh McDaniels, and Frank Reich. Your uh, opinion on all that that unfolded, and two-part question here, so one, your opinion, and two, does Josh McDaniels ever get a chance to be a head coach in the NFL again if it's not with the New England Patriots?
1: Well, I'll t- well, oh, oh, yeah. That, that last caveat is pretty important <laughs> in terms yeah. of because when, when I heard when I heard you ask the question initially, is he going to get a head coaching job? Yeah, I, I believe, I, I firmly believe, and this is just off of um, my analysis of the situation. Not that I have any insight into into anything in particular more than anybody else would, but it, it would stand to reason that if he didn't uh, believe that he would get a head coaching job from Robert Kraft, why would he have gone through the situation at all? And so um, I think we're big on on forgiveness, especially to to certain people. And and I do think Josh McDaniels would eventually – uh, obtain that forgiveness and, and be a head coach uh, somewhere else, maybe three, four, eight, five years down the road. As for the next couple of years, anywhere that's not New England, no. Uh, I don't think he's going to be involved in the search. But but that hand of forgiveness is going to come for Josh McDaniels uh, at some <laughs> point. Because, you know, th- these guys like their coaches. And, and you, you call it a carousel because the same horses are always going around. And yeah. I think Josh McDaniels is, is always going to be uh, one of the names to come around that carousel. I, I do think, um, off of my my initial reaction, because I mean, again, you're asking for my opinion, so I'll have the caveat there. Um, yeah, I sat there in this uh, on this stage, this is about 50 feet to my left, when the Patriots released a a report that basically outed two of their own employees, one of which um, the report seemed to indicate that he was having an extramarital affair, and this was just in response to an NFL report about Deflategate. And so, yeah. to me, it would seem that, that a franchise that would do something like that, I, I think the role Deflategate played in Josh McDaniels and Robert Kraft's situation with this hiring that ended up sending Frank Reich to Indianapolis, I, I don't know if everybody paid as much attention to that as, as they should have. Uh, it, it seemed like a, a direct uh, response, if not retaliation, uh, for the Colts' activities that led to that investigation, to me personally. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we know the Patriots do some, do some crazy stuff at times. Um, but, yeah, that, that one is interesting. Going back to the coaching carousel here quickly, this year we saw, we saw numerous hires, but I think the refreshing thing was, Pat, that we didn't see a lot of retreads. We, we saw John Gruden go back to the Raiders. We saw Pat Shermer get a job with the New York Giants. But for the most part, for everything else, it, it was new guys, guys who worked their way up through the ranks, guys who are getting a chance for the first time to lead a team. So looking at everyone, you know, like the Mike Vabrels, um, the Matt Patricias, the Steve Wilkes, Matt nagys who do you think, and I know obviously no one knows at this time, but in your opinion, who do you think has the best chance to succeed right away?
1: Right away, it depends on how the free agency acquisitions go for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Now the division's a monster, uh, so it's going to be tough for Steve Wilks. But I I do see some continuity in terms of the fact that they go from a coach in Bruce Arians who coached for a long time, was coaching the National Football League for a long time before he got his first opportunity. Steve Wilks is doing the same thing. And in terms of the staff, you look at the staff they announced yesterday, there's guys with – years and years of experience that, that some people might look and say oh well this is a you know the nfl is all about this youth revolution right now uh i, I think we saw the cardinals uh get some experience uh mix in some youth in terms of the staff um that they have mike mccoy is going to be uh called the plays uh, i it depends on you know the draft and the way that they uh go about free agency and finding a quarterback they get larry fitzgerald back today so so that's big as well yes but, uh, good. but again the, the the, the division's a monster. I mean, uh, Matt Patricia's going to have every opportunity in the world. This, this Lions team has been good. <laughs> you know? yeah. they've, they've been a couple uh, a couple of games away for a few seasons, and so they they're going to have their quarterback. Um, it's it's tough to uh, to say anybody's in a better situation to win right now of these new guys uh, than Matt Patricia. We're
0: joined here on FinSider Radio by Patrick Claymont of the NFL Network. Pat, grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, so he is roll-tied 100%. Am I correct in saying that?
1: <laughs> uh, I I grew up in, in that fashion. I, I saw the light. <laughs> I attended Troy University in the fall of 2003. So I'm a Trojan, yeah. my wife, and, and I guess by <laughs> osmosis, my son, are probably both Alabama fans. But, uh, yeah, the Tide and Tigers are pretty big where I'm from. <laughs> no <laughs>
0: so- so a lot, a lot of Dolphins fans obviously resent Alabama because of Nick Saban. So with that, we'll switch a little bit to Dolphins Talk with Sutton here
5: asking you a question. Pat, thanks again for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. So about no problem. Eight, mo- eight months ago, Dolphins Nation found themselves in a precarious situation when we saw Ryan Tannehill go down in training camp in a non-contact injury. Now, he was coming into a second year in the offense under Gase. Things are looking good. Now Dolphins fans have no... Idea what to make of Ryan Tannehill as the future quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Do you have, and you know being with NFL network, do you get a sense of what the nationwide perception is about the Dolphins and specifically Ryan Tannehill?
1: I, I do. You, you you have a quarterback that in 2016 completed 67% of his passes. And I think there are the, the way that maybe you guys being closer to it, um, you you have this year without him, and so that that automatically provides this uncertainty. I would say that nationally, we might have more confidence in Ryan Tannehill than there is down there in South Florida. I I I, I honestly believe that um, this is this is a team that you know runs Jay Cutler's corpse out there for for most of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and uh the results were pretty obviously uh, uninspiring and um when you look at the progression of growth uh from Tenhill especially from two thousand fifteen to two thousand and sixteen uh you see flashes you see ability uh you see a guy who can move around now i mean nobody's going to have their best season coming off a cruciate tear uh that's that's tough <laughs> and considering yes. the way that um you know the the way that they approached it uh trying to have him come back. And then, you know, having the injury take place again—it's uh, it's not something that—it's not the ideal route. But um, I, I do believe nationally, uh, people have confidence in Ryan Tannehill. And when you when you see, you know, the mock drafts, uh, the way people are linking quarterback conversation, I, I, I really don't see uh, people bailing out on Ryan Tannehill nationally. I really don't.
5: So let's discuss another lightning rod figure that we have on our team. And really, this off season, it's going to be satiated with two people: Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry. And what we're going to do with him? And I'm curious your thoughts. If you're in that Miami Dolphins front office, how do you approach the Jarvis Landry situation?
1: Um, you, to me, I, I would I would say Jarvis Landry is a good football player. Uh, now there are personally I have questions about what his skill set is and how it translates to other teams I mean you guys know uh, you're not asking Jarvis Landry to to run down routes and and take the top off of defenses right, uh, you right. do have to to manufacture ways to get him the football but if you do he, you, we've seen that he can be effective so uh, first and foremost i believe you need to establish that you want Jarvis Landry back on your football team and so then you you i mean nobody wants to, for them to have to give uh, Jarvis Landry, Tavon Austin, money, and, and make that kind right. of commitment. Yeah. Even though Jarvis Landry is is a better football player than Tavon Austin, so it's it creates it creates that that difficult layer of determining a player's value. But I think as long as they start off with the conversation saying we would like to have Jarvis Landry back, I think that's the best uh, for this team. Because I know there's, there's there's squads like like Chicago. Um, places that that need a Jarvis Landry and and what he does they're going to want to pay him um so they just need to determine that value and you know is it in the 14 17 million dollar range uh I don't think it's worth it to go into next season uh without a guy who can make plays just just in an effort to save that four million dollars because you know what you're going to get from Jarvis Landry
0: Great player, very fiery player. There's some issues there, though. We know the Ravens were interested in him um, as recently as the trade deadline there, and they may go after him in free agency if he hits that open market. One more question for you, Pat, before we let you go today. We, we got your opinion on Ryan Tannehill, the national perception on Ryan Tannehill, and you know the fact that you don't think the national uh, media is ready to bail on him just yet. But there are plenty of quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. Um, who, in your opinion, right now, is stands at the top of the list for you?
1: Uh, The top of the list to me is is Josh Rosen, uh, right from the jump. I I really didn't see too much of a question. I I do, you know, two of the guys that that I work with uh, the most closely, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Uh, They have differences of opinion. But in terms of who's the guy that you could put on the NFL field right now and and get the best results, uh, they don't disagree that it's Rosen. uh, DJ thinks the ceiling is higher uh, for Sam Darnold. But but watching, you know, I went through – and uh, chronicled all the 20-plus-yard touchdown passes of all these prospects. And and Josh Rosen's uh, delivery, uh, his release, everything kind of jumps off the screen to me. You know, as a, as a novice evaluator, no, just somebody who dabbles in this, who's fortunate enough to talk about football for a living. Um, but, but to me, I don't think there's much of a question uh, that Josh Rosen's the best quarterback. Now, the quarterback I'd like on my team is Lamar Jackson, because I would like to watch him play. Oh. Uh, yeah. and, and I believe he's going to... Uh, be good for a long time and somebody's going to get a value either late one early two and yep. and have Lamar Jackson in a place where they could maybe stash him uh behind somebody where he would eventually uh, Mahomes or cap or however you want to look at it uh whoever the starter is but um I, I think if if I'm if I'm in Cleveland if I'm a Browns fan and anything other than Josh Rosen comes out at number one I think they're overthinking it and I think they'd be making a mistake
0: all right, Pat. I know I said that was the last question, but I'm going to just ask you one more, put you on the spot here. Go to your it. head. Miami's, Miami's picking at number 11. Who do you think they take? Oh, number
1: 11. Oh, I know. Wow. I know free
0: agency and all that, but all things equal. You know, people are saying Raquan Smith. Some are saying possibly a quarterback.
1: Uh, some well, are if a I would say if – oh, yeah. If 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 either one of them are there. Uh, yeah, you just you make your pick, man. I mean, those guys are those are two of the best football players in the draft. And I think if if Roquan's there at 11, you, you've got a guy for the next decade that's going to play middle linebacker, and you don't have to worry about. It. Or you can you can have him on the outside. He can do so much. And if you know, for those because a lot of people uh, kind of question you know where that position is and where it's going in the future and how you can get value late. Uh, ultimately I think you get good players and and good people on your team and Roquan Smith is that dude. Alright, I love Roquan and watch
0: his tape plenty and, and that dude is a monster.
1: Alright, Pat, thank Thanks. you
0: for joining us on FinSider Radio. We'll talk to you in a little bit, okay? Alright, you guys have a good one. Alright, Pat, thank you. Wow, that was great stuff, boys, from Claybon. Uh, tremendous of him to take time out of his, his very busy schedule. You obviously heard the chatter in the background. He was right to the stage right next to the stage and in the green room and all the producers, everyone else talking in the background, I'm sure you probably heard it. So huge thanks to Patrick for his time. Drop some interesting tidbits on there regarding, you know, Ryan Tannehill, especially the national perception of Ryan Tannehill. And I thought his line when he said the national media, and the national narrative on Ryan Tannehill is probably a lot more confident than what South Florida is. And I thought that was an interesting tone. What do you think about that, Houts?
4: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we all kind of have our ups and downs when it comes to Tannehill, our own opinions that we perceive. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're Dolphin fans, and I think a lot of it has to do with us just seeing all this this disappointment for the last decade plus. I mean, ever since Marino, it's kind of been nothing but – Bad for the Miami Dolphins. So even when, when you get a great quarterback or a good quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, probably the best that we've had since Marino, it, it's hard to, to believe that he's the one. When you just saw for so many years this team just be mediocre, and one after another these quarterbacks come—the John Becks the Chad Hennies the Panningtons, the Feelies, the the Trent Greens—I mean the list goes on and on. I mean when you see that you just it, it's just hard to have confidence in the guy. And with the injury and everything, I mean. It's going to be hard to see Tannehill bounce back. But what he was doing in 2016 with Adam Gase, I mean, I think a lot of those national analysts and experts, they kind of see what Tannehill is. And I think it's time for the Dolphin fans down here. Uh, The Dolphin fans of South Florida and us as a group, we just need to believe in him. And I mean, he's our quarterback moving forward. And 2017 is going to be a big year for him.
0: There's been a lot of controversy around Ryan Tannehill, a lot of discussion about quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. I know me myself, I would love to see the Dolphins draft Baker Mayfield. I know how I think you said you wanted the Dolphins to draft Lamar Jackson and sign, and you have your opinions as well on it. So, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on what Patrick said about the national narrative of Ryan Tannehill. Is it just that we're so close to Tannehill that we don't realize how good we have it? Or do we think we can actually do better?
3: Well, after talking to Claybon tonight, what I think it it all boils down to the expectations that we always have, and we live in bizarro world and Dolphins land, so what happens is when you have high expectations for a team, they end up usually going below that, and when you have low expectations for a team, like we did when Adam Gase first came into play, perhaps this is the perfect storm for us to not appreciate Ryan Hanehill to come in with a season where we have low expectations for our team. Perhaps that's the type of motivational thing that's gonna get the kick in our butt to uh to write the ship because I didn't like what I saw in 2017. So we we gotta get better. Uh, and I think again expectations. So perhaps lower is better in bizarre world Miami.
0: It's frustrating because we could have really seen the step that Ryan Tannehill could have taken this season, but of course, the injury and training camp. So I think, you know, not having someone there for an entire year, I think does kind of sway people's opinions a bit and makes us all wonder, well, can he get back to that point again where he was ready to break out or supposedly ready to break out? Can he recover from his injury? And what are the Dolphins going to do? Obviously, the big looming thing is his contract and the way the Dolphins can get out of the contract after this season without much penalty. And then you look at the backup situation. Matt Moore, we all thought he was pretty decent. But then when he got thrown into action this season, we saw just how limited he was because of his inability to properly read defenses. And huge props to Tony Romo on Thursday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens for pointing all of that out. Romo consistently said throughout the broadcast that Matt Moore was making the wrong calls at the line of scrimmage and making the wrong reads. None of us obviously know that. But it just explains why Adam Gase was very hesitant to start him. And of course, Jake Cutler was awful. But then we look around the NFL, right? And we see Case Keenan and we see Nick Foles. We see all these backups thriving, It was the year of the backup quarterback. So for me, you know, that's just a sign that the Dolphins do do need to invest in a young quarterback to develop and possibly take over. Worst case scenario, you have a situation like Jimmy Garoppolo where you can trade him away for a second-round pick. Worst case scenario is you have to decide which one you're going to keep because they're both that damn good. Look at the Vikings. They have to decide between Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum. Look at the Eagles. They have to decide between Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. It's a great problem to have. Yeah, you're getting rid of a great player, but it's a great problem to have nonetheless. So we'll see what the Dolphins do. How You said you like Lamar Jackson. I like Lamar Jackson too. I actually think he's a very perfect fit in Adam Gase's offense. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. All right, let's take a look at the Finsider Rail Mailbag, both on the Finsider.com and on Twitter. We have our first question coming from NashMax73, Thomas... John Denny, Ring of Honor, yay or nay? Mm -hmm. What I said. (laughs) What'd you say, sign? Tell us.
3: The honor is predated John Denny, so I I don't know how you can't solve John Denny in the Ring of Honor. That just seems sacrilegious.
0: I, I agree. I think John Denny is the absolute GOAT. All right. J.T. Evans at J.T. Evans 97 asks, should the Dolphins trade up or trade down? If you had to choose one of them, which one would you do? Uh, I wouldn't do any of those, JT. I think at 11, you're getting an elite player regardless. But if I had to do one, I'm trading up for Baker Mayfield, baby. And I am making that plunge. I am trading away Ryan Tannehill. I am trading away that number 11 pick. And I am floating that in front of anyone who wants to listen in the top five. And I'm getting my guy in Baker Mayfield. <laughs> uh, I will,
3: I just that. just for essence and G's, I'm going to vehemently... Disagree with you just because I, from the research I've seen, trading down you're at least getting someone for that player. But NFL teams are 50% likely to get the first player in a position group and a third position group correct, meaning that they're not that good players or sorry, NFL teams are going to make mistakes, and I'm going to capitalize on that by trading down. Generally speaking, I'm trading down each and every time.
0: All right, let's see what else we have on Twitter. Our boy Rob Caruth. Caruth. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Caruth.
0: He asks, Derwin James or Roquan Smith, and why?
4: Roquan Smith.
0: I'm saying Roquan. He is an absolute monster. He can play inside, outside. He can play anywhere on the field. He can maybe be that hybrid linebacker that Matt Burke loves to have in his defense. Uh, Roquan Smith, is he, if he's there at 11 and Baker Mayfield is not, you run to the podium with Roquan Smith's name on that card.
4: Absolutely. Completely agree.
0: All right. And Jason SM38 asks, would you consider bringing in A.J. McCarron? My answer is hell no.
4: Nope. We're good on that.
0: that, Doesn't do it for me. All right. On the finsider.com mailbag, Alpha asks several questions. We're only going to get to one of them tonight, Alpha. What do you think the chances of the Dolphins selecting running back Nick Chubb, Georgia, in the second round? Viable pick or no? Or carry on Johnson out of Auburn?
3: Yeah, I I think it is possible. Um, I'm hoping we go defense first, but uh, considering that, Kenan Drake, as well as he did last year, I think most of us would understand that he's a more of a higher-end complementary piece than he is at Belkow running back, which may or may not exist anymore. So we're going to need some more uh, bodies in that running back group. So Nick Chubb is as good as any as I've seen coming into this draft class. So uh, I, I think he has to be on your
0: radar. I think that's the – pre agency will sort itself out. CJ Anderson from the Denver Broncos is supposed to be cut. The Dolphins I think are going to snatch him up in a second. CJ Anderson absolutely loves Adam Gase. Adam Gase absolutely loves CJ Anderson. I think it's going to be a match made in heaven and I think it's going to be CJ and Kenyon Drake the one-two punch coming this season for the Miami Dolphins.
3: Well, and we just got Eric Studsville, the running yep. back coach from it- And so the first I yep. saw was kind of upset Though you could easily see him following him,
0: and CJ loves Studsville as well, so it's all perfect storm for that to to happen. All right, I just want to touch back on Claybon's interview. He mentioned uh, something very interesting not in very interesting, but pretty interesting when I asked him, Gun to his head, who's he picking at number 11? And he said, Roquan Smith is he if he's there, you have to run to the podium with his name. And I just said that's a cruth, too. So real quick, boys, you know, if, if the Dolphins were to draft Roquan Smith and Claiborne said you're set for the next decade. So if you draft him, you got him, you got Raquan McMillan, and then you got, okay, you got put Keiko there this year, but he's probably leaving. I mean, you could look at the draft the following year or even this year and pick another guy, or you can go into next year's draft and pick that out. So Raquan's the middle linebacker guy. Roquan Smith is a... Middle linebacker. Kiko Alonso played middle linebacker this season, but he is better suited as an outside linebacker. Roquan can probably play all three downs. Does that mean Raquan gets moved to the outside and you got a tandem of Kiko, Roquan, and Raquan? And that is a tongue twister. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, I'll start with you first. What do you think? I cannot
3: wait for FinCider Radio episodes with a Q-sounding word uh, for you to pronounce. That's going to be great. Yeah, what do you what do you think, Simon? <laughs> well, I, I think you hit on it. Middle linebacker, it, it seems like we have that in spades. And when you look at how Kiko played last year, and this is we're going to have to play for another year despite how we feel about the contract. He did not perform the way that we wanted to at Weekside linebacker. I, don't, I, I think you can effectively scratch Will off of his – you can do list right now. So he's going to have to be the middle linebacker. And then you have Raekwon coming in. So where do you put him? Do you put him at strong side linebacker? Do you put him at weak side? And then if you draft someone like Roquan, who is possibly a little bit more of a Zach here, that's a little bit more rangier. So could we possibly go for more of a linebacker and get that nickel guy that we're going to want to see, get more snaps and those are the linebackers that you're seeing get more snaps in the nfl these days so it'll be interesting to see if they do go linebacker this year um what's their prototype i'm
0: i'm I'm interested in that Houch, what are your thoughts on a possible pair of roquan and Raquan?
4: i love it i mean i think it might be unlikely that roquan falls to 11 but if he does i mean that's an easy pick for the dolphins he's a guy like uh like Patrick said, can play for the next decade, pairing him next to Rayquan McMillan. Uh, that immediately solidifies that linebacking core. You got Kiko Alonso back this year. Yeah, he didn't play well outside, but if he moved back inside, like Sutton said, uh, th- that'd be a hell of a linebacking core. Another name that we kind of did, did mention was Stefan Anthony, the linebacker that they uh, got in that trade earlier last year. I mean, he, he showed flashes at the end of the season, so he's a guy that's intriguing. But ultimately, I mean, all three of those guys, Kiko aside, he can't really cover, but that, that would make that tandem in the middle. It'd be pretty pretty scary for some defenses, and it would definitely help out with that run defense, and most importantly, against some of those tight ends. So if Roquan Smith's on board, I'm all for it.
0: All right, there it is. And sign me up as well. Like I just said, if Baker Mayfield is not there at 11, who I would think the Dolphins should draft there at 11. You run up and get Roquan Smith, and you get your linebacker for the next decade. And that's just the way it's going to be. All right, next week on Finsider Radio, we will have Greg Gabriel, the former scouting director for the Chicago Bears, a multi-decade NFL veteran of scouting. We are going to talk to him a lot about a lot of interesting things and the discussion that he's going to have with us. Is going to be extremely insightful. It is one show that you're not going to want to miss. For Sutton, the Creepy Soccer Dad, and Houts, MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening Miami to Fit Sider Radio, the we'll talk to you next time.
2: Team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.
1: Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox, check. Cool Adidas gear like T-shirts, shoes, and backpacks, check. Triceratops folders and pencils, check. Laser Cat T-shirts, check. Get your back-to-school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back-to-school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com, no better place to get everything back to school from A to Z.